Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel. Welcome to the Employment Roundtable, where we provide you with perspectives and information you need to make wise employment decisions for your employees and your organizations. I'm your host, Talitha Ebright, and today we're talking with my Gable Gottwalls partners, Ellen Adams and Paula Williams, about the first of a four-part absenteeism series titled, Where Is Everybody? This episode looks at how workplace culture affects absenteeism. So as we were As we record this in January of 2022, we're seeing another COVID variant sweep through workplaces, making today's discussion so important. Workplace absences, whether COVID-related or not, put employers in difficult positions. Ellen, for employers who are looking to better manage absences in the future, what's a good starting point? Gosh, Talika, great question. I think the first starting point has to be deciding as an organization what the company philosophy around absenteeism is. Um, You know, depending on the industry that you're in and what your actual needs are is going to impact what kind of philosophy you have. If you need people to be accessible 24-7, you have to develop an absenteeism policy that reflects that. If there are certain times of the day or certain positions where you can be a little bit more lax on absenteeism and want to create a culture that really supports work-life balance, your philosophy on absenteeism might look different. You might have a generous paid time off policy and encourage your employees to use that. So the starting point for any employer is really to decide as an organization the why behind any absenteeism policy you're going to develop. Why are we doing this? What are our reasons for it? And what kind of culture do we want to create for our employees? And within that culture, you're obviously thinking about recruitment and also retention. I'm sure Paula can speak to this too, but we've heard from so many clients that the labor shortages affecting the country are affecting employers here in Oklahoma. And they're having to make decisions around how to get people to come to work and stay. Ellen, I'm really glad that you mentioned the word culture because... Um, Ellen's right. A good starting point is for the employer to decide what is our philosophy? What kind of leave do we want to provide? What do we prioritize? But then when you talk about the culture, to me, the philosophy is what's down on paper. It governs your policy. But if you're not communicating that to your employees, showing them exactly how to take the leave, taking it yourself, um, promoting use of the leave, then you can actually have a culture underground where no one's using the sick leave and it's really not in line with your philosophy. Um, You know, there are schools going virtual right now. As you mentioned, Talitha, we're seeing another COVID wave and more and more parents are out with their kids again, while there's virtual learning or while they're in quarantine or isolation or testing positive. And unlike prior waves, we don't have the federal coronavirus leave that applied to many employers. And so 
how, what is the verbiage in that workplace around those parents taking leave? Are there grumbles and complaints about kids being out of school and parents being home um, when someone is on FMLA leave? Um, are we protecting them from being contacted during their leave? Are we respecting um, that leave? And so you can create a culture that's really completely different than your philosophy. And so to me, it's, it's making sure, really being honest, having an honest assessment of what the culture is and making sure it aligns with the philosophy that you want. Thanks, Paula. I think that's super helpful. And, and I think it's particularly helpful to kind of understand what you were talking about there about the role of leadership um, and how leadership can sort of lead the charge uh, in, in aligning the culture and the philosophy. I know that I, I have had the good fortune of um, talking to Ellen about these topics a little bit before. And I think that sometimes um, the way that leaders are best able to do this is by allowing themselves to be vulnerable. Um, Ellen, can you talk to us a little bit more? Do you have anything to add on on what that vulnerability might look like? Sure. So when we talk about leadership and culture, and I, I like to use the word subtext, and whatever your corporate speak is around your work-life balance or absenteeism, a lot of times we have HR professionals that are gifted at explaining a corporate philosophy or a corporate program in a way that really conveys what everyone has said they want the philosophy to be. Unfortunately, though, there's a natural distrust that happens for employees, and they're looking to the leaders to see what the real story is or how a coworker situation was handled to see what the real policy is. So even if we do a great job explaining our philosophy and incorporating that into policy and corporate speak, it's what our leadership actually does and the offhand comments that are going to resonate with your employees and create that culture that Paula was talking about. So it's so important for leaders, not only in what they say, but in what they do to reflect back to employees what the culture is and what the philosophy is around absenteeism um, is if you're a supervisor, you shouldn't come in on your scheduled day off. And if you do, you should have a conversation around why that is. I mean, obviously we do not live in a perfect world as leaders. There are a lot of times when you have to come in and address situations that are happening in a workplace, but you can be vulnerable and have conversations with your employees about the why. And um, Paula, I know you wanted to add, and you have such great wisdom around this topic and around leadership generally. I really want to hear from you. Well, I don't, I don't know if I have great wisdom or if I've just read others who have great wisdom, because I was just going to jump in and say um, everyone's favorite, uh, Brene Brown has uh, talked about this concept on a podcast with Adam Grant, which I've, I've, I've probably told enough people, at least in the Oklahoma City area about this podcast. I'm sure you've shared it with both of us and I'm delighted I'm sure that I you have. did. I feel like I emailed it to the firm maybe. <laughs> um, but, but Brene said, you know, vulnerability is not working your stuff out with people. 
And that's often what we think of it. We think of it as a weakness, as someone who treats their workplace like therapy, um, which by the way, is not a weakness either, but that's vulnerability without boundaries. And I love the structure, Ellen, you gave to it about if not coming in on your personal day off and maybe communicating if you have a parent that dies, not being afraid to communicate, you know, I lost my mom. And what it looks like is that I'm going to be out this week and I'm not going to be very reachable. And if you need someone, this is who you need to go to while I'm taking this time. And then you use the bereavement policy um, because then it sets that example for the next person that, hey, I'm not, I'm not the only person having this life event because my leaders also have life events because we all do. We all have lives that we inevitably bring in to our work life. Yeah, another just practical solution for leaders and managers is how you communicate with your employees. So if you want people to feel comfortable leaving the office at five o'clock on a Friday, in your communication with your employees, you if you're sending an email at 4.59, you should say first sentence, I do not expect a response to this until next week. Now, obviously, if you do and you need one, you don't include that line. Um, and if you're not having those communications, as Paula indicated, there's so many other ways to just engage with your team and let them know your reasons for the boundaries that you're setting in your work to make sure that you're uh, honoring your work obligations and leaving yourself enough time so that you can come to work fully ready and fully engaged and having addressed all of the things that we know happen in personal lives that take some time, but don't have to interfere with your work obligations. What I particularly appreciate about the way that both of you have shared this is that it really, basically it's, you know, these are our um, strategies that benefit sort of the whole employee, but they also really benefit the employer and productivity, right? Because they are allowing the employee to have the kind of balance they need to take care of the things um, that, you know, are important in all of our lives and including rest and, you know, uh, renewal and then to show up at work, ready to work. And I think that's really um, a helpful perspective that you guys have given sort of to that end and, and um, getting back to something that you were saying earlier, Ellen, about, you know, the, the, philosophy and the culture um, coming out of the employer's why. And, you know, sometimes there are employers who have um, reasons that it's it's a lot tougher when employees are not physically in the office. Um, and sometimes, uh, and, you know, I'm sure all employers really want to provide um, their employees the balance that's possible. Um, and I'd like to just look at that in the context of this new pandemic wave that we're seeing um, that's, you know, obviously affecting the availability of employees in 2022, and it's only January. Um, so, Paula, how are employers thinking outside of the box to manage um, the leave that is becoming necessary in this current wave? Well, they're doing it a lot of different ways. Um, you know, it's no, this will be no surprise to our listeners, but there is no one size fits all approach. We have some industries that um, are labor intensive and physical, physical labor, and they can't be done remotely. 
We have some workplaces that are able to put in so many precautions as far as social distancing and the like that the risk level is much lower. And even when someone comes into a workplace and is potentially contagious, it's just not as much of a risk factor because of their office space or the number of people or what the layout is. Uh, there are some people who whose work could be done uh, remotely, but because of cybersecurity issues, they can't. They, they aren't allowed to perform their work remotely. And then, of course, we have many employers who have a department or a section of their workforce that can be done remotely, and, and we see all things. But to your specific question, I think it depends on what what you know, uh, industry you're in and what your sick or PTO policy said in the first place. So some employers already had a very generous sick or PTO policy. And I've seen many employers say, gosh, we already had a very generous policy. So if you need leave to get tested, wait on testing results, get a vaccine, recover from the vaccine, um, be out while your kids are remote learning, which I, I just got a notification. Um, I snuck a look that um, my kid's not going to have school in two days. <laughs> so it happens. It's real. Um, and uh, they say, you know, all of those reasons can now fall under our sick leave policy. It probably previously didn't address getting vaccines, but maybe they update it so that those reasons qualify for sick leave, but it's not further expanded. Other employers may have taken a look at their policy and said, gosh, you know what? Five sick days a year is not even one round of COVID, let alone testing and vaccines. So maybe that's not going to cut it, but you know, we don't want to throw the door wide open. So maybe we add an additional five days that's COVID specific um, for specific reasons. Um, we, I've had one client who has considered um, more of a temporary telecommuting policy where they say, you know, I don't want employees to be remote all the time. And I'm worried about abuse of a telecommuting policy, but I'm willing to let people telecommute for up to five days a year if they are waiting on test results or have a sore throat and a cough, but no fever and need to see a doctor. And so are they, are they sick enough to stay home? Possibly not. Probably depends on who you ask. Are they well enough to work? And if the answer is yes, and they can do the work remotely, then the employer says, well, if I can limit my risk of infectious illness in my workplace and still get the benefit of work and then minimize my risk of abuse of that by just offering it for a limited period of time, then, you know, they're exploring avenues like that. And of course, with all of these documentation is huge as you're considering who is it going to apply to? How is it being applied so that everybody knows what's up, what's down, and, and departments are similarly treating absences the same so that we don't have different people doing different things? Yeah, and I would just, I would just add to that. Sorry, Talitha, um, but I would just... It's January 12th when we're recording this podcast. So it's been two days since OSHA's emergency temporary standard 
applicable to private employers with 100 or more employees has taken effect, which does have some paid leave requirements. So we're not going to touch on the OSHA ETS, its current status before the Supreme Court, the outcome of that, because we would need a, an additional podcast with a new title to address all <laughs> of those things. But um, we're, we're watching that, and it's just another level and another layer that employers are having to look at as they're dealing with absences and paid leave policies, because the testing and the vaccination requirements that are addressed in that OSHA ETS uh, are going to impact that for employers. Well, thank you so much for adding that, Ellen. That was super helpful. And thank you, Paula. Um, Lots of great information today. Uh, The key information that was new to me today, or at least stated in a way that I hadn't really thought of before, was that employees look to leaders' actions to see what the real culture of an organization is and how that culture aligns with the employer's stated philosophy. Um, Thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of Employment Roundtable. Please join us next time as we dig into the second part of Where Is Everybody and look at how to make sure your absenteeism policy meets your organization's needs. Thanks, Talitha. Thanks, Paula. Yeah, thank you. The Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel.